Good day, Reeling Freedom fans. How you doing? Captain Gene Hammond here with another episode of the Reeling Freedom Podcast. This podcast sponsored today by Monster 3X USA X Move Shrimp, or any of their baits, rather. One bait, many fish. I just love these baits. They're extremely durable. You got to look, check them out. Monster 3X, I actually caught a nice... 28 to 30 inch snook this morning on the Pearl Monster 3X. Thank you Raul and the guys at Monster 3X for supporting us and supporting the Reeling Freedom Warrior Shootout Tournament coming up March 7th. Get in there and get registered. I have more veterans than I have entries for this tournament. We got to get these veterans out on the water. Let's go get registered get signed up. We need your support for the Warrior Shootout. This podcast also brought to you by iDirect Government Technologies. At iDirect Government, they make hubs and remotes for military-grade communications over the satellite. Hubs and remotes, it's a great product, and they are an awesome sponsor of this foundation yearly. They believe in our cause, believe in what we're doing. And on this episode, I have Mr. Tony Tran. So let me back up a little bit. For last year during my regular job, I had a chance to go over to Wiesbaden, Germany and um, to support military operations over there as a satellite engineer. So during the evening time, I did find this nice little Irish pub that we went to um, daily after work with military guys and a few other people and there was this guy up on the stage strumming away on a guitar i could tell he could had a little bit of an accent but not a german accent so when he in between his breaks i got over there and i talked to him a little bit and when he found out that we were from america he just gave me the biggest hug that, that you could possibly imagine. So excited to see us saying over and over again, I love Americans, I love Americans, I love Americans. And this is what this podcast is all about. There, I have run into people overseas while I was in the military and during my regular job here that um, aren't very nice or polite because we are Americans, but this guy was. He wasn't German. Although the German people were very nice to us over there. But he was from Bosnia. And his story is most of his family, including his parents, were killed in the skirmishes in Bosnia when he was little. When I say little, 8 to 10 years old. And it was the U.S. Army that saved his life. Um, it, was, it was the U.S. military forces that took him in and got him on his feet and made him what he is today. So when he meets Americans, he loves Americans because of that. This story is a lot like that story. Um, Mr. Tony Tran, again, will not would not be here if it wasn't for the U.S. military at the end of the Vietnam conflict. And I will, won't get into his story or let tell you about his story, I will let Mr. Tony Tran tell you about his story. 
pretty awesome stuff. And um, again, thank you, IDRAC government, for all your support. Here we go with episode 13. All right, welcome to the Reeling Freedom Podcast. I got Tony Tran. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, Gene. How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. I, I wanted to... Uh, so, for our listeners, Tony Tran is a uh, PLM at our one of our biggest sponsors for Reeling Freedom Foundation, which is um, IDRAC Government. They're a yearly sponsor. They support us and the veterans and... and um, Tony's been a good friend of mine for several years now, and when I heard about his story, I'm like, oh man, people need to hear about this, right? <laughs> so tell, yeah. them, tell them what you do for iDirect. Well, I guess uh, for some of uh, the people out there that may not know what a PLM is, uh, in short, I'm a uh, product manager. Yeah. Uh, essentially, uh, I just come up with products and try to figure a way of uh, how we can deliver it to the marketplace. There you go. Um, products and features, right? You do a lot of features yeah. stuff. Absolutely. And, uh, I do write government. Huge sponsor for Reeling Freedom. We love them. Um, it's actually my day job as well, but they've always supported me and the foundation. I do write government does um, satellite communications for the government, basically. We make um, hubs and remotes and a few other little gadgets um, that our men and women in uniform use. On a daily basis, right? Yep, and then actually, it's one of the things that uh, I've been basically working in the government space for quite some time. And you know, what IDRAC government does uh, for the men and women uh, in our armed forces has you know, really attracted me to uh, you know continue to do the good stuff that they're doing. And you know, as I get into it a little bit later about my background, you'll understand why you know I do what I do every day. Yeah, there you go. How do you get into because, um, you know, you weren't in the military. You're not a veteran. Nope. Um, nope. But you do help those um, men and women in uniform by what you do daily. And, um, you know, as as a part of IDRAC government, we appreciate your support, man. And when I heard about your story, I'm like, wow, you got to be kidding me. Because yeah. um, it's a lot like my older brother's story, who isn't, wasn't in the military either. But if it wasn't for the U.S. Air Force and the Vietnam War, he wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. And um, mm -hmm. you pretty much have a similar story to that, too, right? You want to get right into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, as you, you know, just mentioned a moment ago, um, you referenced the Vietnam War. So, obviously, yeah. uh, that's where my family's from. Uh, essentially, uh, around the early summer or late spring of uh, 1975, my mother was uh, on her way to uh, the U.S. Embassy in um, Ho Chi Minh City or uh, Saigon, and she actually had the paperwork to uh, actually leave. Yeah, maybe uh, some some of your folks, uh, your audience may have seen like some crazy war movies, how people are riding at the uh, uh, MC gates and. Uh, Vietnam and basically everything she uh, described just basically goes into exact detail. 
she was at the gates, riots breaking um, breaking out, and yeah, uh, North Vietnamese soldiers are basically coming into the city, and uh, I think that's at that point where the uh, uh, embassy personnel open up the gates, take down um, the U.S. seal, and with the gates open, the crowds just bursted right onto um, U.S. property So that's, U- that's U.S. embassy. So you said um, mid... 1975? Um, mid-year, yeah, around April of 1975. Okay, if I remember my history class correctly, it was um, Johnson that signed the National Security Action Memos that basically was an order to withdraw our troops from Vietnam. Forget mm-hmm. what year that was. I, w- I want to say late 1974, but it could have been 75. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You know, one thing I, I I didn't mention that it was April twenty seventh, nineteen seventy five. Okay. And if I recall correctly, that is the day that uh, the fall of Saigon. And as I mentioned earlier, that's when the North Vietnamese were literally rolling their tanks into the city, and that's when people started evacuating uh, the embassy. Of course, they were probably evacuating a little bit before then, but uh, I can say that according to my mother, like I said, the gates broke open. And she was pushed along with the crowd. Now, mind you, at this point, uh, she was actually about eight months pregnant with, um, with me. So with the gates breaking open, she's pregnant, and she's pushed Wait, along with on, the crowd. Hold on a sec. So you said, you said earlier that she had paperwork to, to um, well, maybe a political um, refugee or... Um, she was still you. You guys were still, or she was still in the crowd and very much a part of um, the Vietnam Vietnamese um, people that were trying to get into the embassy. Is that is that how yes. I understand yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, she was basically mixing with the the crowd, so yeah, it was really hard for anyone to identify who she. Uh, you know, First, identify her and also to see her paperwork. Um, oh, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah, so now she got the paperwork through my father, uh, whom I've never met, actually. Uh, yeah, there's not much to say about my father. My mother doesn't really talk about him much, but from what I gather from her, uh, um, her sister and her brother, that it, it sounds like he was actually... Um, and I'm only probably guessing at this point that he was part of Vietnamese intelligence, uh, working as a liaison with um, uh, with the folks at the embassy. Okay. And okay, that's so he was basically got the paperwork. He was basically helping the U.S. forces over there. Yes. And, okay. Exactly. Okay. So probably doing yeah. things that a lot of people don't talk about, right? Yeah. So, yeah, probably like you know, help with translating, uh, helping uh, Americans understand the culture and how things are you know done in country and what have you. That's incredible. So they're they're knocking down the gates. Your mother's mixed up in this crowd, eight months mm-hmm, pregnant with you. Exactly. Yeah, and keep, keep because going. she's being pushed along with the crowd, she literally leaves behind her luggage. So uh, she literally is able to get onto a helicopter on top of the U.S. embassy. Um, with the clothes on our back. So, you know, people may recall from history that, you know, some of the famous photos of uh, 
of Vietnamese people getting on top of a uh, embassy and getting on the helicopter, yeah. you know, because it's very impossible. But my mom's in one of those photos. Wow, but, do you uh, have any of those photos at home? That that's just incredible, dude. Um, I do have uh, some photos, um, you know, my mother's, I guess, childhood or um, into her young adult years, you know, when she went to college in Vietnam. But unfortunately, yeah, I, well, unfortunately, I don't have any war pictures or what have you. Yeah. But, you know, at this point, you know, I was only able to, uh, you know, stories uh, from her and my uh, relatives, you know, and basically I'm able to sort of form this picture, you know, what, my mother went through yeah so if it if it wasn't for u.s military and the u.s embassy she doesn't get out of there alive probably and and you're not and i'm not talking to you right now right no no it's not just me it's i mean it's for all um vietnamese refugees who were able to escape uh from the horrors of war especially with the north vietnamese rolling in and just killing people indiscriminately um i actually Years later, I met a guy who wasn't able to escape um, either by helicopter or by uh, boat right after the fall of Saigon. He was actually arrested and yeah. was sent to prison for 17 years. Are you kidding and, me? No, and the prison system is different. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what it is today, but from his story, he was uh, there again for 17 years. In the prison, they don't feed you. Your family has to come in and take care of you. You're just basically stuck behind bars. Um, wow. Otherwise, you have no family. You're just going to die. So uh, this, yeah. And, so this guy, you know, that got caught. He was a, um, a U.S. supporter and got caught by the, the the Communist Party in Vietnam. Is that what happened? Yep. Yep. That is That's crazy, right. dude. And how do and, you know uh, him? Oh, um, we worked together at, at a previous company um, up by uh, our office. Yeah, he was uh, in the data communications, and this is why I was young, getting into uh, telecommunications. You know, working with the the Verizon's and Sprints of the world. You know, my young heyday. Yeah, I get you. That's that's but incredible. I, so, so she gets I, on this this helicopter. What what happens yeah. after that? I mean, where where where's she headed? Where's she going? Where, and, sure. and how do you get to the U.S.? So uh, after she. Uh, you know, got into the helicopter. Helicopter took off from um, the embassy. Uh, she went onto an aircraft carrier, and from there, my understanding is they uh, may have stopped in Guam, and then she was routed to uh, the Philippines. And she spent about a week there, I guess, being processed and whatnot. And from there, she flew out. Um, I'm assuming Clark Air Force Base in the Philippines. Yeah, that and was the only that, Air Force base there. It's where my sister was right. born, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, the uh, plane went to basically one of four refugee camps um, in America um, in 1975. Uh, there was, uh, let's see if I remember correctly, um, Camp Pendleton was one, uh, Eglin Air Force Base, Camp Indian Springs, yeah. and... The last one, Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. Oh, my and goodness, that's, dude. <laughs> that's where my mother ended up, Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. So I, I certainly get a lot of looks when I tell people you know, I'm from, from Arkansas, and they look at me like, what? Well, yeah. that's well, that's all you know, right? That's all you know right? is Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. 
That yeah. is a funny story because as a young man in the field artillery at um, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, we would take mm. we would do um, thirty to forty five day field deployments from we, we'd convoy from Fort Sill, Oklahoma to Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. Mm, and wow. I, yeah, I spent a, a lot of time on Fort Chaffee doing live fire missions with the field artillery. Mm. And um, I actually. Yeah, unfortunately, I, it's black, so I, I don't have a chance to go. Uh, go check it out. Yeah, I don't know if you've been around a whole lot of um, Army bases, especially the field artillery where they have um, these very large trucks. They're, they're like um, two axles in the front, two axles in the back, and they're ginormous. They're like three four ton vehicles and they mm -hmm. call them hemets these hemets um along with a trailer another four-wheel trailer that's about the size of the trucks about i want to say 35 to 40 feet long and then the trailers another 30 feet long those hemets um in my old job in the field artillery would carry um rockets for a um, launcher system I was I was actually in the field artillery as a multiple launch rocket system crew member. Yeah, yeah, I remember actually in your past one of your other podcasts. I remember you were talking about. There you it. go. You're right. So it's yeah. basically a Bradley yeah. chassis with mm -hmm. um, with a rocket launcher on the back of it. Well, to they get... were using uh, Desert Storm, right? Correct. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, I remember seeing them. Yep. Yep. Um, that those the support trucks for those launchers. I had um, four pods on the back of the truck and four pods on the trailer of live rockets, on the, and I was the uh, tank commander. Um, it's basically mm -hmm. a truck, but they called you a TC anyway. Well, my dry, mm -hmm. it was raining. The roads on Fort Chaffee are nothing but silty, kind of dirty, um, the, the training roads. And it was mm -hmm. raining, a little bit slick. My driver got my side tires in a very, not not a very uh, deep ditch, but a ditch deep enough to kind of tip the vehicle sideways. And instead of um, kind of turning into the ditch and just riding it out, with all that weight on the back, way up high, he turns back up onto the road. And guess what happened? We went, I went right on our side with live rockets on Fort Chaffee. Oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and uh, are you still allowed back there after that incident? You're right. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I, I was huh. when when everything when the dust settled, and w I'm, we're laying on our side with those live um, rockets on the back. I, I was just waiting. I was just waiting, waiting, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. waiting for oh. something to happen. But we made it You're through. Lucky. They actually took a. Uh, um, uh, um, 88 Mike. It's a huge track recovery vehicle, like a 70-ton vessel um, mm -hmm. for track vehicles. And they just hooked a tra chain up to the truck in the trailer, pulled it upright, started it up, and uh, away I went. <laughs> mm. That's exactly what happened. But you know, that's well, my that's my Fort Chaffee uh, story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my 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 Fort Chaffee story is outside just being born there. Uh, I was only there for 30 days, so unfortunately, I, I, I can't talk more about it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I can tell you that, uh, from my understanding, after 30 days uh, there, a family sponsored 
my mother and I uh, to live with them in, I believe, Winchester, Virginia. Okay. So we moved up there, and I've been in Northern Virginia my entire life. So that's then. basically you grew up in Northern Virginia, right? Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty much I tell people that's where I, I was. I wouldn't say born and raised, but pretty much where I lived the entire life. I gotcha. Where are you, so you were born at Fort Chaffee? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, actually, I actually have the original birth certificate uh, given to my mother when I was born, and I swear it looks like it was something that came out of uh, that show MASH. And it's just it's old, ragged, and um, I'm just I'm afraid even to open it now because <laughs> you know, it's just so delicate. You know? yeah, but I. I remember looking at it, it was like the 35th Division Hospital, and I was born at 5.35 a.m., and it's got the doctor's name and everything on there, and it's, it's um, yeah, it was. That's pretty cool. Nice I'd like to see that, actually, sometime. You know, it's, um, something else very uh, interesting about Fort Chaffee, Arkansas, is they used to have basic training there. They don't mm -hmm. anymore, but. Elvis Presley went to basic training on Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I did, actually. Yeah, there you go. There, there's some famous people that actually were that went through there. Um, do you remember there was a uh, a cowboy, Dallas Cowboy, Vietnamese guy, big guy. Huh. He, he uh, and you are, I know, a Dallas fan, so you should know. Oh, uh, man, you're going you're gonna, to um, test my uh, cowboy knowledge yeah. here. His last name was Wynn. I don't yeah. know what his first name was. Yeah, I don't but remember. A, I don't remember him. He was a big guy. He was like the, he was like the only Vietnamese NFL player I, I've ever known. But apparently, he went through the same facility in Fort Chaffee. Oh, there he you go. He was also a Vietnamese refugee as well. Okay, but that's pretty cool, dude. But no, actually, what's even cooler, if I may, um, go for fast it. Fast forward um, to well, I'll probably say. Maybe about 10 years ago, I uh, was supporting uh, a demonstration uh, over at know, Fort Myer, but over in D.C., and I met this retired uh, colonel. Yeah. He was, and I was telling him about my background, and, and, and then he mentions to me that he actually helped run, I think, the Camp Pendleton uh, site during 1975, hosting all the Vietnamese refugees. Oh, really? And he was, oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. And, well, he said, well, he actually, uh, even though he wasn't at Fort Chaffee, uh, he actually had a bunch of uh, paperwork and materials that he wanted to share with me. And so I said, sure, here's my card. And, uh, frankly, I, I actually forgot all about it. And then two weeks later, I get this huge envelope. And I take a look at it, and it's, it's, there's, like, slide presentations and uh, memos that were issued out to the Army talking about, um, you know, we have – Thousands of refugees coming. That's and, pretty cool. And dude. Traditions, how to work with them, and and whatnot, and, and and seeing that really put things in perspective for me. And this comes okay. to the point where, um, you know, it, it gave me a, a, a deep appreciation for the um, for the men and women who, you know, volunteered and went into the military and uh, gave uh, and had a helping hand to the Vietnamese people. Just to get away from, um, you know, from the the Dorfitmies and communist uh, invasion. Yeah, and it was ridiculous, it, dude. That is a pretty cool story. 
Um, yeah, maybe sometime when I'm up in D.C., we could take sit down and have a beer and take a look at that stuff. I'm that stuff really interested me. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, I immediately try to copy so I can uh, scan them all so I can send them to you. That's um, pretty cool. But yeah, but uh, no, it really, it, honestly, it just I, it made me appreciate even more so that it, if it wasn't for the Americans uh, and for all the servicemen and women. I don't know how my life would be different. Um, yeah. you know, I, I've truly have enjoyed uh, the life I, I have here. And actually, about uh, less than a year ago, I had an opportunity to go to Vietnam for the very first time. Oh, man, I would have taken that one. Oh, it, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. It, it's, honestly, uh, anytime I, I uh, go on a trip to Asia, I treat it as like the last time I've ever gone. And, and in this case, I... Uh, I had to go over there for work, but on the way back, I took, took uh, about like a two-day vacation, just a pit stop, uh, yeah. and I got the chance to meet my uh, my uh, oldest uncle for the very first time. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Was Is there a language? You don't speak Vietnamese, right? Unfortunately, no. Yeah. I, I can probably pick up a few words, but that's probably because I watch way too many uh Braddock movies. Yeah, those are old well, enough I mean, action movies. <laughs> uh, you're you're just as much American as anybody else. You were born here. You were raised mm -hmm. here. So, um, well, I I was the first born here, and I was sort of like the uh, translator for my uh, the rest of the family. Which, by the way, I, I, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but no, realized that my mother came over here. Uh, she came over here by herself, right? And then yeah. I was born. So now she's. You know, in this foreign land, doesn't speak a lick of English, and has a baby newborn. Yeah, you, know, you can only imagine. You know, you know, just the the courage that you know, she undertook to leave her uh, village and to fly literally around the world, and don't have any friends or family. Uh, literally, she was the and first no husband, uh, person right? in the family. Your no dad? husband, right? Yeah, my uh, they they never. Uh, um, they weren't married. They weren't together, so they yeah. just separated and went their own way. Um, but the thing is that, it, 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 yeah, I admit that you know, for all the uh, immigrants that have come to this nation, that you know, I really feel that they've really they wrote their sleeves and they are looking to have a better life than what they had before. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, who would want to move and leave their country? Uh, and their friends and family behind, right? There obviously, had to be a situation for them to. You know, to be able to do that, and yeah, well, when you got communist, my mom when, you, when you got communist sol soldiers knocking on doors and killing people, mm -hmm. seems like it'd be a pretty easy answer to me, but still not easy to do, right? No, no. Not but easy. the thing is, it doesn't it doesn't stop there. My mom went on to work, you know, different jobs here and there, um, and saved up money and actually was able to bring over my. Uh, Grandmother and her two sisters. That's incredible. And Great story. I lived, I and she and she actually rented an apartment. I remember it's over in uh, three ninety five in King Street, uh, right? You know, just outside of DC. And I was living there with my uh, two aunts and grandmother. Is that in down? Is that Old Town, Alexandria? King uh, Street? no, no, oh, okay. it's over by. Uh, Sherlington area, Duke Street, Landmark Mall. Yeah, you know, for anyone that's familiar yeah, yeah. with the North Virginia area, but but my mom was paying for that apartment while she was still working, and 
my aunt and grandmother, I was just living with them. They were just watching lots of TV. And my mom continued to work and, and continued to bring other uh, her other uh, siblings over to America. Great, uh, and great story. Yeah. And well, the thing is, like, um, she would work mostly uh, the jobs she was able to find with the more the second shift. Yeah. So during the day, I would go to school. At night, um, or towards the evening, I stay with my grandmother, and I I didn't really see much of my mother, uh, you know, for a good bit because she was constantly working. So, yeah, it just, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it almost sounds like she had to 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 basically take care of the whole family and get them over here, right? Right. Right. I mean, that's, like I said that's earlier, that story about the uh, guy who went to prison, because he was, uh, you know, he was supporting the Americans. You know, she can only probably think about her own uh, sister and brothers over there still under communist rule. I mean, that's crazy, dude. She, she, just because she left the country doesn't mean she forgot about them. So she continued to work just to bring them all over. Yeah. Great story, Tony. I mean, a lot of people don't think about the ancillary effects that the United States military or, or U.S. service members, like the other things that happen other than so, what soldiers do, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot like my brother's story. I mean, if he, it's not my, my brother's story is nothing like, like your story, but if it wasn't for the United States military plucking your mom off of that U.S. embassy, who knows, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And, um, I mean, you gotta you gotta feel a lot of pride when you look at the U.S. flag yourself, just like anybody else, right? Absolutely, it's an incredible Absolutely. story, dude. Great story. So, how do you get to working in the government space? Uh, where did you go to college and 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 um, get to um, your level of of communications? Sure. So, yeah, growing up, it, it, I kind of alluded to earlier. I watched a lot of missing action movies, and you know, along with that, for whatever reason, I, I just wanted to play uh, with a lot of GI Joe or military things. And there was something there. I know it was that. Yeah. Um, you know, I I, just, I really appreciate from as a, a young age that uh, that the military has really helped out my um, my family. Uh, Do you ever for, think about joining? Have the a better military? way of life. Did you ever think? Well, Actually, yes, I did. I, um, I wanted to join the military. I admit it was kind of stupid at first, but I watched way too much Top Gun as a young kid. So I was like, I want to join the Navy. And Man. actually, kind of, I, but honestly, I regretted that I didn't. Because I know um, joining the military would have offered uh, a lot of different opportunities um, uh, and probably would have changed my life uh, in so many ways. But honestly, it's it's... As a young kid, um, yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't in ESL. I, I, yeah. Um, but even though English actually is my second language, because my primary language as a young kid was Vietnamese. But yeah. as I started going to American schools, and also being the first-born American in my family, I was a translator. So I had to learn English and try to help you know the family, you, you know, shop or have conversations with others and so on. But yeah. eventually, I lost out on how to. Isn't that incredible, uh, uh, right? I mean, my brother, my older brother, um, couldn't speak a lick of, if you listen to the, the episode 10 with my brothers, couldn't speak a lick of English when he got over here. He came over here when he was eight years old with my dad mm. after uh, after the Vietnam War. 
couldn't speak a lick wow. of English. Now he d- he knows no Tagalog, um, like mm. Philippine language. Yeah, he can't even understand yeah. it. But <laughs> just incredible. Well, I, I my my situation was that I watched way too much uh, TV. So watching all the Silver Spoons, Alf, and Family Ties and all that stuff. It's where all my English came from. Oh, there you go. <laughs> of course, with public schools too uh, as well. But but uh, yeah. Uh, but to answer your other question though. It, Honestly, in high school, I um, I wouldn't say I had a lot of too. I, I didn't have too many friends because I, you know, I still had that sort of awkwardness and whatnot, and yeah. I had no real direction because uh, I'm I'm only guessing. I didn't really have a father figure in my life, uh, so I lacked discipline. I I lacked direction. My mom was working uh, the second shift, so I never saw much of her, and I yeah. was stuck with the TV. So yeah, um, but. After high school, I, I sort of, I just, I just hit sort of rock bottom, if you will, and I just realized I gotta make, a, I gotta make something in my life, and that's when yeah. uh, I started going to community college, and then uh, I went to George Mason University. Um, but to help out with uh, family matters, uh, I actually dropped out of uh, George Mason out of a four-year program. Yeah. Uh, originally, I was going for a uh, MIS or Management Information Systems yeah. degree, uh-huh. but I dropped out of that and I went into the workforce and uh, I actually started off tempting, temping at uh, a telecommunications company called Net2000. Wow. And that's the company that I met the Vietnamese guy I was telling you about earlier. But also, the guy who hired me is the same guy who referred me to iDirect Government today. Oh, wow. So you kind of cut your teeth by, by working for a temporary agency? Into the communication um, space. Yep, basically they were looking for some people to fill out customer service um, cubes, and I was just answering phone calls. And I remember my first call, uh, someone was reporting, um, "I have an ICN BRI down." I'm like, uh, "Okay." He's <laughs> like, "Do you want the PID?" I'm like, "Sure." Yeah, I had I no that. idea what was going on, but you know what? It's you know, it's nothing like just jumping in and just doing it. Right, and, and yeah, well, I'm glad you, I took that jump. Yeah, you're one of those guys, right? You're not going to sit back and and uh, let the world go by. You're gonna you're learn. I mean, you're making decisions at our company that that affect what products and product lines are coming out in the next eighteen to two years, eighteen months to two years. So, I mean, mm-hmm. or actually even longer. I yeah, mean, we even longer, basically yeah. have this roadmap and this vision that okay, this is what we need. Uh, and this is how we're going to get there. Well, I'm I'm and, certainly yeah. uh, I'm certainly glad you're there because when I get stuck on certain features, get you know who I call. I call you. Yeah, pal. yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I'm I'm guessing I'm on speed dial number two, right? Because your wife should be number one, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you've helped me out quite a bit, and um, well, your story is just incredible. Pleasure. I mean, I I love telling it, and I know people are going to love it too. So. It's it's awesome. Uh, it, it is a good story, and it just it just it's just an example of every sort of. In some ways, you can say that's my American dream, right? And that my mom came to America, uh, as I said earlier, no friends or family, but she took a, a risk, and just for seek a better life. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, everyone's American dream is different, but you know, I when I think of the American dream, I think of what my mother has done and sacrificed. Um, and and all that 
again, it's all thanks to the men and women who uh, serve our great nation to help out the Vietnamese um, you know, people escape from uh, the communism and and whatnot. Yeah, it's a pretty cool story, dude. Um, I know people are going to really enjoy this one, but thank you very much. It's pretty c- cool. So what's no, well, thank you for your service, first of all. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't do anything. <laughs> well, you did. I mean, everyone you know, makes decisions and choices in life, and, and they sacrifice something for the better good. Yeah. And you certainly did. I just made sure and people could talk. <laughs> I just made sure people could communicate and talk. That's all I did. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and that's what I do too. That's why I went to telecommunications because I believe in that. You know, sometimes conflict happens because no one's talking to each other. Yeah, we have this uh, saying in the um, had this saying in the U.S. Army that we'd sing in cadence, and it, and it went mm. went like this. It was it was uh, shoot, move, and communicate. Right, it was a yes. part of that cadence, which yep. is totally backwards. It's totally backwards because shoot, move, and communicate. You cannot shoot until you move into position, right? And you mm-hmm. cannot move into position unless you communicate. So it's it's totally backwards. <laughs> it's cyclical. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it should be communicate, move, then shoot, right? Right, exactly. But anyway. But hey, man, we're well over half an hour here. This is exactly, um, this has been perfect, dude. I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And uh, we appreciate IDRAC government being such awesome supporters of Reeling Freedom. And um, we'll get this thing edited and pushed out there, and I know it's going to be a hit. So, Awesome. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And you know, look forward to seeing you again soon. All right, buddy. I'll be up there soon. Thank you very much, Tony. Thank you. All right. There you have it. Mr. Tony Tran, thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. Remember, we got the Warrior Shootout coming up March 7th. Get registered today. I need more boats and more captains to get these veterans out on the water. That's what we do. And um, hopefully we will see you there. It's always a good time. And thank you very much to IDRAC Government, Monster 3X, Bull Bay, Rods, and Florida Fishing Products, all of our great sponsors that support this foundation. Without you... We could not do what we do. Catch you on the next one. Heavy, 10 can 22 is on the ground. 10 can 22 heavy, turn right at the heavy dice with my contact.